Do you travel often, perhaps to foreign places where you do not speak the language? Well, this week's giveaway is for you. Thanks to our partner, Beta, this week we will be giving away three Pocket Talk voice translators. The Pocket Talk makes communicating with someone that speaks a different language super easy and enjoyable. It supports up to 74 languages and uses built-in mobile data to provide two-way foreign language translations in real time. Enter this week's giveaway for a chance to win a free Pocket Talk voice translator by going to www.mission.org giveaway or try it out at your nearby beta store. Welcome to Mission Daily. Today we have a special episode. Joining Mission co-founder Stephanie Postles and Mission producer Hillary Georgie around the table is an impressive group of women. Our guests include Alvina Antar, the CIO of Zora, Julie Cullivan, Chief People and Technology Officer of Forescout, and Praniti Lakwara, CIO of Aptis. Each guest brings with them a wealth of knowledge and experience from decades in the world of IT. On this episode, Stephanie, Hillary, and our guests discuss their winding paths into the tech field from various passions adversity they have faced in the tech industry as women, and how they think about building teams within their organizations. Mission Daily is created by our team at mission.org. This is Stephanie Postles, co-founder and COO at The Mission. And we have a very special episode today with uh, a couple female, a few, not more than a couple, (laughs) a few female tech leaders. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves? Alvina Antar, mm-hmm. uh, CIO at Zora. I'm super excited to be here. Thank the you. The mission is my friend and family. <laughs> Return guest, friend of the pod, Alvina. Uh, Julie Cullivan, I am the Chief People and Technology Officer at Forescout Technologies, and also happy to be here again. Another friend of the pod. I'm Pranati Lakwara. I'm the CIO at Aptis, and I'm a first-timer here, but very glad to be here. We're glad to have you. Thank you all so much for coming. I'm so excited to have all these amazing ladies at the table, drinking some rosé, some white wine, <laughs> having a good conversation. The only way you got us to show up. <laughs> we have wine. Come we our do. Way. Come, come. Um, let's just kick it off. I want to know a little bit, some bio info about some of you. Uh, some of you have been here before, some of you have not. So give us a little background on how each of you first got into tech. Sure. Kick it off. I got into tech by accident, which (laughs) almost everyone, I think, who gets into IT sort of of gets there in this winding route. I am an aeronautical engineer by background, Mm -hmm. and uh, the plan was to fly planes. And I mentioned to Julie once before that being in IT is as exciting. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Some days. But nobody dies. (laughs) (laughs) Most most of the time. That's right. That's right. And so the journey was basically a very um, engineering to um, actually, you know, there is a funny story to it. There were no jobs in Arrow when I was graduating from Arrow. Mm -hmm. And I was in computational fluids, which is a programming background. And so I decided to put my master's on hold for a year. And I drove out west from Georgia. Wow. Georgia Tech. (laughs) I drove out west with my dog. Mm Mm-hmm. Over four or five days, and I made the trip, and I decided to start working as a programmer in the Valley. And I realized I liked having a salary. <laughs> <laughs> and so I never went back to Arrow there you again. Go. And that was really the start of the journey. That's amazing. Where was your first job? Yeah. So my first job was at a company called Harry Seldon. And if anybody's read sci-fi, that's, that's a very sci-fi mm-hmm. author and name of the company. And the first break I had was from my uncle. 
And what we were doing was programming point of sale systems. Oh, those nice. days. And so that's exactly what I was doing for him before wow. I broke out of the mold. Julie, cool. how about yeah. you? Well, I'm surrounded by people that are much younger than I. And so we would need a whole podcast dedicated <laughs> to <laughs> my long career. But no, I mean, I, I mean, I'm somewhat accidental in tech in the sense of, hey, I was a finance major. I had, you know, I, my first job was in corporate finance, but it ended up being in a tech company, Oracle. And so I really just sort of accidentally ended up at a tech company and then had the opportunity to move into technical sales. And from there have done a lot of different things. Um, and really, this is only my second CIO role um, that I've had, but I've had done a lot of things that sort of led me down that path. And, and one of the things that I've certainly benefited from is that I've had the business and, and owning pieces of the business and the functional side to kind of help with the conversations around, hey, how to use technology to enable the things. But um, but no, I've, I've worked at several companies and it's been, you know, accidental as as with with Pranati, but, you know, um, here, it's hard not to end up falling into tech. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Julie, you do two different roles, don't you? Yeah, yeah you have a yeah. couple different. So I have three. Well, I, I've i had a, a history of like going in to do something and then having the opportunity to pick up some other roles. So she's that good. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about that where I'm that foolish to say, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> um, but so um, recently, um, the chief people officer at Forescout decided to make a, a move and um They went, you know, it was a planned transition in the sense of she was willing to stay until they found the next chief people officer. And that ended up being me, who I don't think anyone would have expected. But, you know, I've spent a lot of time leading teams, managing people, consuming people-driven programs and trying to, you know, embed them in my organization. So it was sort of one of these examples of another like, hey, I've got a lot of opinions and give a lot of feedback to chief people (laughs) officers. How about trying to do it yourself? And you find out that it's a lot harder than you ever realized. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. I love that. Just That's awesome. You know, knowing that people are our biggest asset mm-hmm. and, and, and realizing that, yes, technology is critical, but without the right people, nothing's possible. Right. You, you can't know? get anything done. Yeah. Alvina, tell us about your journey to where you are. I'm definitely not accidental. I'm, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I wanted to be a math professor. I wanted to follow in my father's footsteps. He was a geology professor. Um, and, and that was my passion. I loved mathematics. Um, and and ultimately decided to study computer science with heavy math influence um, and and went into IT um, as my first job out of college. Yeah. Uh, spent, I've had two jobs my entire career, 17 years at Dell and now almost five years at Zora. Wow. Um, but all in IT. So definitely not accidental. And I just, <laughs> I just love it. I love um, technology. I love knowing my business and mm-hmm. having the business be, you know, the internal employees that make the business hum. Yep. Um, and, and so that's my passion. Alvina, what was your first job at Dell? If you were there 17 years, I'm thinking about like day one of Alvina at Dell <laughs> working on the, I don't know, I don't know IT that well. So, so, I mean, I, I actually started as a software engineer and I was really excited. I got the gig through at the time. Um, it was, it was the, um, Dell, Dell running their first run at, um, so like at, university at grad type university, university. Grad, yeah, yeah. you know and when i got the job you know i had i was inspired by michael dell's build to order uh, model and you know he's a true visionary and still is and so yeah i i i i moved to austin and loved the city the reality is i i i started there co- uh, coding in cobol wow. and i was <laughs> and, and 3 months in i threatened to quit because i was like i didn't come here to 
to, to be in these mainframe systems coding in COBOL. <laughs> right. um, and so they gave me other opportunities to keep me around for 17 long years. Yeah, that's, awesome. that's, that's, that's I'm curious about what other kind of adversities did you guys face, especially early on, especially if you got into the field accidentally? Like, what was that like? How were you kind of working your way up? And did you know what you were working your way towards? So I definitely didn't know where I was going to be. Mm-hmm. I have to say that, in fact, I don't believe, I still know. <laughs> and it's really a true statement because every few months or years, you sort of, and as you're learning on the job, as you're learning being in the corporate environment, as you're learning being a parent, as you're learning, you know, there's just a lot that comes your way and you redefine yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you're not constantly redefining yourself, you're not really truly growing. And so I really don't think I could have sat back 20 years back and thought, oh, it's going to be a CIO at Aptus or any of the Silicon Valley companies. I didn't even think I was going to work in the Silicon Valley. I thought <laughs> I was going to be working for Boeing. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, I think these things really are things that you have to give yourself room to grow within. So I would say, um, and I was had this conversation with somebody the other day where they were saying something. I said, well, either eventually I'll figure out what I want to do when I grow up or I'll retire. <laughs> I mean, because there I'm you still, you know, <laughs> evolving, you know. changing, whatever. I still don't really know ultimately what I want to do. But I will say that the things that I've been able to do have been amazing. But in terms of the adversity kind of question, um, you know, I started my career, you know, 87. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, 1987. <laughs> just to be clear. And, you know, it, you didn't think of it as adversity, right? right? Like, I mean, we were not programmed to be worried about, hey, you know, oh, this is wrong and you shouldn't be. It was an entirely different culture, environment, whatever. And I love the fact that now it's very different and we are talking about adversity and we are talking about these things. But when I came up in my career, yeah, I faced a ton of adversity, but didn't realize it was adversity and kept putting it back on myself to say, no, this is what you need to be doing. You need to go for this. You know, I just didn't really realize some of the dynamics that were going on. The focus was you. Yeah, I just never was going to blame anybody else. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it, like I said, it was a different time. And I'm actually I'm, I'm thrilled how much things have changed. But I even remember, you know, worrying about are we talking about things so much that it's getting in people's heads, right? So that it's getting in the way from them really understanding, hey, you control and own a lot of this as well. Um, so, you know, most of the adversity I realize now was hindsight. Um, and I did have one very um, defining moment, uh, and I'll try not to mention exactly when, where, and what companies, because I'm not looking to throw anyone at, <laughs> under the bus, but you know, I'd always worked for West Coast-based companies, um, was now working for a company that had an, a heavy East Coast influence and went to my very first meeting. And I was uh, a vice president in, in the organization and was meeting some of the folks, um, you know, in the, in the larger organization for the first time. And I was standing there um, and somebody came up to me and their their absolute assumption was, you must be so-and-so's executive assistant. Right. Yep. And, and it was only because I was a woman. And that was the first time that I had ever realized, wow, there are these dynamics and these things at play that I've never really thought about that much. And I mean, by this time, I was not young. I had two kids, right? I mean, like, so it took a long time for, for some of the things to really resonate um, for me. But a lot of the adversities had nothing to do with, you know... Um, uh, you know, female, male, whatever. It's more just like I've I've taken some really hard roles that most of them I probably really wasn't ready for. And, <laughs> you know, the adversity was being self-aware and learning what I could and making sure that I wasn't blaming others, right? It's like, hey, what do I need to be doing? Yeah. 
um, and also take risks, right, um, to be able to do that. But anyway, I'm monopolizing, <laughs> so please. No, but I love that. Um, you know, I, I, I come from a, a family who is really strong-minded, and um, I just remember, you know, my, my father never made me, you know, always insisted that, you know, I never felt um, as, as the single female in the room. Uh-huh. And so it was never an issue. Like I never even looked around the table right. to like count the number of, 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 of women or men. I mean, I know it's a huge conversation now, um, on, on, in the executive room as well as the boardrooms, but it was like, it was never even a, a thought that came to my mind. It was kind of like I belonged. Right. And that's why I was here. And, and that's kind of, that's the mindset that I've had my entire career. Yep. Um, and, and, and really it comes from my upbringing. Um, you know, I, I feel like that's, it's given me this inherent, while I don't claim to be arrogant, um, you know, I have this inherent confidence, yep. yeah. um, that I belong, yep. um, at any, and, and even if I'm, you know, clueless about the topic at hand, mm-hmm. I, I, I will sit back and, and, and soak and be the sponge right. and learn until I feel like I can actually provide value. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so that's, that's just been something that I've, I've held really close to my, to, to my heart. And, um, and I think it's really important for us to not feel as, you know, singled out. It, it's, it's in our, it's, you know, in, in exactly what you said, Julie, it's, it's, it's like, what are we doing to position ourselves? What are we doing? Uh, and, and I always say I'm, I am my worst critic. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. I, I am truly my worst critic and um, it may be bad at times for me personally <laughs> when I'm on my own, um, <laughs> But, you know, I have high expectations, high standards for myself and the people that I surround myself with. And that's just how I operate. And and that's what makes me thrive. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and I'm curious about how you guys bring these kind of ideas and these thoughts into your roles as leaders. Like, how do you guys lead a team? How do you manage your employee experience? What do you expect from the people that are on your teams? A lot. (laughs) And I mean, you have to think about it. I mean, especially, and again, I've had different roles, but when I think specifically about my IT team, you know, by virtue of the fact them them having the courage to step into an IT role, Mm -hmm. that's particularly now um, with with what's happened with cloud and all these other things, it it is become sort of like, hey, why do you want to be in IT? Um, There's so many other opportunities to leverage your technical skills. And so by virtue of the fact that they're even willing, it's because they do have a customer service desire, right, to to support the business in a different way. And so, I mean, I I, I look for for people that, um, you know, hey, yeah, you got to have the technical qualifications and the fundamentals of the role, but so much more about it is, are they open to new ideas? Um, are they, do they have a broad experience in terms of types of companies, types of products and solutions that they've been engaged in, right? So that they can bring that broader perspective. But more than anything, right? I mean, do they have the, hey, I can do this, right? And that they know they're there to partner, right? Mm-hmm. Not to be the smartest person in the room, not to always be right, but to figure out how do you really partner with the rest of the organization and, and create a lot of win-win, you know, situations, so I've tried really hard and I've learned a lot over the years in terms of, hey, it's not always about the person that worked for you at the last company you bring here, right? You've got to build a team where they come from different companies, dif- different backgrounds, 
um, because that really does create a ton of value. Mm-hmm. Um, because I used to be like, oh, I know exactly who can do this job. I'll just go hire them and whatever. And now I realize, hey, right, that's not always going to create the best team, yeah. right? And the best innovation and new ways of approaching things. So what kind of questions do you ask? Like if you're bringing people on and this is for all of you, but since you brought it up, how do you how do you know that they're the right person for the team? Is well, it- I, I, a lot of it is sort of through their experiences mm-hmm. and how they kind of walk through their experiences and what they learn. from those experiences, Um, but also some recognition that, um, you know, because, you know, you do encounter people, right, that are are far more interested in being right Mm -hmm. or being the, the smartest technical person and I'm much more focused in people that are are interested in how they work with others and how they get their work done and how they collaborate, right? Because I have an expectation they can do the, yeah. the technical side. So I don't know. Those are probably not great answers <laughs> because a lot of it's situational, right? Just in terms of in the moment yeah. as you're talking Absolutely. to people and things that come out of the conversation to kind of pull threads and sure. make sure that you're... Um, but I also, you know, hey, and this is a, a little bit of my chief people officer hat is it, it's got to be objective, right? You cannot... Everything can't be gut feel. Oh, my God. But they worked it, you know, (laughs) Amazon. Right. So they must be good. Right. So much of it is all these other elements and making sure that you can really articulate the why behind it so that you get better diversity. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, you know, just in talking about the individuals, like you really need to invest in in the individual and every one of the individuals um, within your department are different. And what motivates them are are different um, things. And, And so that and. And so I look for people who, you know, at a leadership level, want to invest in their people, like genuinely, mm-hmm. not because they have to, because they have a management title, but because that's, that's their passion. That's what they, that's what makes them feel fulfilled, mm-hmm. you know, um, is, is, is leading from within as opposed to just leading because, because of the level of accountability and, and responsibility that you, that you've given, you, you've been given because of the role. And so just really getting to know the individuals what motivates them? Um, what inspires them? Um, is it technology? Is it opportunities to partner with 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 different organizations? You know, what is it? And doubling down on on the people, right? And that's why I think that, like, if we don't invest in our people, they're not going to stick around, right? Um, especially technologists, mm-hmm. right? And 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 so they're not just looking for the coolest technology to work on or, or they're looking for the best dynamic, mm-hmm. you know, the best cult. That's why we talk about culture so much, right? It's, 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 it's a thriving culture. It's a culture that, um, you know, where, where you don't settle for mediocrity yeah. where you're looking for, and, 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 and each individual on the team inspires each other to do be- better and take more risks mm-hmm. and fulfill things beyond their own expectations, yeah. really. Um, and you can't do that in a, in a vacuum, no. not in, corporate America, right? <laughs> I mean, you, you, you need to, to really leverage the team, the global team, right? Um, you know, and, 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 and so, you know, it's, it's, it's really just getting to know your people in a genuine way. I think that's true. Very true, actually. The growth and the people are extremely important in a team. When I think about building high-performing teams, um, you know, thinking about the culture, the foundation, the and it's not just words, because if you are thinking of yourself as more than a cog in the wheel, you're actually already not establishing the right culture. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So we are a cog in that chain. Everybody has a role to play. And that's the kind of culture you really want to establish where it's a two-way conversation. It's two-way. It's a dialogue. It's very transparent, very open, where people are feeling empowered to give their best. 
I think above and beyond that, when I'm thinking about high-performing teams in tech, I actually do not think, and this is something, again, we've talked about since we just had that other interview. <laughs> yep. Um, when we discussed this, we were talking about the fact that there is, everybody's a technologist. Mm -hmm. You're in IT are no longer the only technologist out there, which means that we've got to lead from even more than technology skills. We are also unique because we kind of see across the organization. Everyone's siloed, right? Everyone's got a vertical that they are a subject matter expert on. And so how does that play into the kind of team you want to build? Mm -hmm. You want people that know how to go broad. We want people that are speaking for the business going broad because the business team is so focused that they're not going to go look in what's going on in the RevRex side. Right. You know, if you're sales, you're looking at the sales side and sort of focus there. And so that's the type of talent. And then, of course, I can't leave EQ behind. EQ is <laughs> yeah. the most important thing in every hire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I have more EQ, the more the better. Right. And, and really it helps the team. And how do you build out your team, the tools for your team? And how do you kind of manage your priorities? Because you kind of touched on it as CIOs and, and you're involved in pretty much every aspect of the business now, especially right. because technology is involved in every part of the business. So how do you manage priorities? How do you make sure that you're spending in the right ways, that you're fulfilling business strategies as well as, you know, bringing the right tech in? And how do you know if you should go out of the box versus, you know, building from within? So I think I think when you look at classic IT, you know, there was there was when IT was the engineering and technology team mm -hmm. in a company, a lot of build versus buy decisions were taking place. Yeah. Right? You ended up erring on the side of building a lot of stuff yourself. With the proliferation of the SaaS tools, with the environment, you realize the focus has to be on the core part of the business. Mm -hmm. You're not really truly focused on, on being an engineering organization yourself, which is spinning out these small little products that will help. And it takes, a, and the time to value is probably one of the most important metrics when you're looking at doing an IT program, right? Because you don't have the luxury of waiting 20 months. So <laughs> environment is fully changed. Yeah. The dynamic the has shifted, the requirements mm -hmm. have changed. Exactly. If they were ever clearly. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of a vent session too. <laughs> no, that's right. And so I think it is, it is very, very important for us to actually be very cognizant when you're doing a build decision. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be a very conscious decision. So from a tooling perspective as an IT leader, I very rarely want to build. Really? Because okay, I awesome. really think there is a best of breed tool set out there that has thought of everything that's their core business that I'm not going to be able to do it better. And then that gives so, you freedom to do other things? And it gives us freedom. It gives us uh, the time to work more closely with actual business challenges that we're here to enable versus building our own product line. That's do you guys agree? Mindset. Man. <laughs> Uh, to an extent, I, mean, I think I think that I think that a lot of the companies, especially early on, that are that are growing, um, you know, tend to get SaaS happy, right? Sure. I mean, it's like mm -hmm. you know, purchase yeah. purchase <laughs> every tool for every for yeah. every requirement, and it's like, and there's best of breed, and you know, you name it, and you just integrate them and call it a day. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what we do. We're just a bunch of integrators. We don't really build anything. We just integrate things. And so like, just call us the interface team, not the technology team. Right. Um, and I just, I, I think that's, I think that's wrong. I mean, I think that it's a fine balance, especially as you're driving scale mm -hmm. and driving the level of maturity that your business expects. You know, I, I mean, I look to operate as a true engineering organization, as a product slash engineering organization, 
a product organization that understands the business, ha- that has a pulse of the business. When you asked about, you know, what how you determine requirements, I mm-hmm. mean, you're in the business. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you don't like ask the business what they want. You're <laughs> yeah. in the business. And so you have a pulse on the business and you understand their priorities and um, can pivot based on, you know, business uh, changes and dynamics. Um, but ultimately your priorities are clear because, you know, you've got the product managers sitting with the business, understanding the needs. And then on the engineering side, it's making true decisions and having engineers that are able, that are equipped yeah. to make a decision on whether it is, whether it's time to build, mm-hmm. to drive the level of scale um, that your organization requires. And so, you know, early on, uh, yeah, I mean, yes, you know, buy, buy the SaaS application of choice, but then you realize like the, the, the complexity of your architecture is just far too complicated to sustain and the cost is the cost. insane. Yeah. And and then you look at your you look at your tech stack and you're wondering what if you really look deep and you wonder what percentage of capability are you actually leveraging of these investments? And you have to rationalize. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and you realize that it's, a pendulum, you know, it's like right? less yeah. than fifty percent of the capabilities because you really haven't been able to keep, you know, and keep, that goes towards a platform right? strategy as well, because yeah. you really don't want to go all over, yeah. but you mm-hmm. want to build a platform strategy where you know this capabilities. There. I could see retention being an issue too with engineers. At least when I was at Google, and Julie, you would probably like this. I uh, <laughs> worked in finance for the first two years, and we had engineers working on financial like platforms because Google builds everything, everything yeah. themselves. And we were losing so many engineers because if mm-hmm. it's a product that's not new and shiny and they don't get to, it's exactly. just like keeping it in maintenance yeah. mode, all the engineers are quitting. And me with my little financial hat on, I'm like, this is so cool. We're matching up POs <laughs> with like, come yeah, on, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they weren't about that life. They just were all quitting. So I could see it being a good mix between like retaining the best people and putting them on the best projects. Yep. And then also figuring out like, but maybe at this point we should integrate a solution instead and just work on this for a couple months and then move on. So yeah. So I I think there's a couple of different things we're talking about here. One is sort of, you know, being strategic, right? In right. terms of, of, you know, what needs to be a platform? What what do you need to, right? It's really sort of so key to your business, right? That there's a need to build and develop and, and do things yourself. And I think we're all in slightly different things, but all of us have a component of our role where what we do is the product of the yes. company, right? So it used to be, oh, products was over here and, IT was over there and now more and more there's this convergence where it's getting grayer and grayer as to who d- does what. But your initial keyword that I keyed on when you asked the question was about prioritization, mm-hmm. right? And and I will tell it's 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 so hard to to prioritize and I also feel super strongly it's not us prioritizing, right? right? It's the company mm-hmm. prioritizing. I do like to save a, a, a category of prioritization that I believe should be all my own. Mm-hmm. And that is around paying off technical debt. It's around security. Um, and it's around other sort of key tools that might either provide productivity improvements for the entire organization or in some cases my own organization, right? Because I got to optimize, optimize, optimize. So so I, I kind of, and again, sometimes people don't always agree like that I I'm, I should be the one to prioritize those things. But we've, we've held pretty hard to like, hey, you got to. You got to trust us to know what we we need to do here and how to prioritize that and clearly work within the right envelopes. But as you look at all the other initiatives, right, I think this is where it's got to be a super balanced approach because there is the, you know, hey, in theory, um, IT should be more involved in some of the technology decisions that are going on around the organization. And I think the only way you do that, right, is by building credibility, by delivering on a set of 
things yeah. and having a proven mm-hmm. track record so that more and more you have a lot more influence in, in some of those decisions. Um, so, I mean, I do think it's like this, Hey, you know, what I've always reminding my team is when somebody comes to you and says, Oh my God, I need this and I need it tomorrow. Or, Oh my God, we got to buy this thing because it's going to do X, Y, Z. Just take a step back and think about what problem they're trying to solve, Mm -hmm. why they're feeling, because I guarantee you they're getting that pressure, you know, from somewhere else. And so just sort of try to unravel that whole conversation and don't start with a, Hey, that, you know, it's, it's gosh, it's not possible that Mm -hmm. we could do that, but it's more of a, yeah, I want to hear you out and understand what you're trying to do and then figure out how to come, come with those compromises. But I really feel really strongly, you know, I sold ERP systems when Y2K was going to be the end of the world. (laughs) Uh, It didn't happen. Right. But the whole message then was right about you don't want to be the integration team. And Mm -hmm. we have sunk swung full circle into Mm -hmm. people are spending more time building integrations and actually getting leverage out of these platforms. But I think there's a certain earn your right to be driving more of the strategic decisions. Mm -hmm. And then you're not coming to the table as, hey, I'm trying to block something or whatever, but you're coming with you know, more informed, like, hey, if we keep making these one-off best of breed decisions, you know, think about the costs over time. Right. Um, and, and all of these tools end up being like, you know, right. That's People right. call it crack, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that is really. But, and, then, but, and you don't want, you know, spell. and then like next thing you know, your whole budget is, is Shop. paying for things where you realize, geez, we're not really getting all the value yeah. um, out of these things. But I mean, you know, the example that, that, that you mentioned around, um, you know, you were talking about um, owning end, the end-to-end architecture, right? right. The and, and touching every part of the business. The reality is, when the business comes to you, you know they don't under they don't know what this side of the business mm-hmm. is using or doing um, yeah. or doing. And and that's the whole point mm-hmm. is that you know we're positioned to have this this end-to-end view. Right, you're super broad, um, and 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 so and so we are able to provide them insight as to you know what we've already invested in that may be an alternative option. And, that's and so exactly if we've right. earned that credibility, then the conversation is, tell me what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And at that point, a lot of the times they don't even know what they want. Yeah. They kind of have an idea, but like they really want someone like a consultant to mm-hmm. talk to. And so if we take that consultative approach- to really thinking about what the actual problem you're trying to solve is and what your outcomes are, then, you know, yeah. then it's a collaborative effort and we, yeah. we, we make the decision together. So if you haven't proven your credibility yet and you're maybe a first time CIO or, you know, IT leader, how do you get in the room, figure out what they want if maybe they're not even inviting you there? They're not even telling you the problems yet for you to get mm-hmm. your foot in the door <laughs> to help them. How do you, what, what would you advise for a first time CIO? Walk in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, bust I, in there. I, I, I think down. that's the perfect time <laughs> to actually establish yourself as somebody that exactly. needs to be in those conversations. It's almost easier when you're new, mm-hmm. right, than when you've been there for a long time. Um, you know what I mean? Because yep. then, you know, so I, I think, you know, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, I have not. And again, some of this could be because of my personality. I mean, I've, I've just not ever been afraid um, to, you know insert myself or insert somebody from my team or whatever and do it in a way that's like, hey, look, I want this thing to be successful. And if we're not in these conversations now, right. the chances of it being successful or us coming back later and having to say, oh, did you think of these three things? It's just that much higher. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I I do believe like the role of the CIO has changed a lot um, in the sense of people 
you know, they want to do what they want to do, but they also kind of recognize because of things like integration security and these kind of things that, that they're, they're more and more realizing they're only going to get so far without some engagement early on, on mm-hmm. these things. Right. Controls, it can be, governance, you know, yeah. and all of those help. So, um, being a public company certainly helps, um, in terms of like, Hey, Hey, I really understand, need to understand more about the data and, and how it's going to be used and where it's going to go. So, I don't know. I think it's it's um, so much of that is, hey, don't sign up to be a CIO if you're not willing to insert yourself and ruffle feathers and and get in there and kind of say, hey, look, I really want to partner, but you cannot do this. But it's all how you do it. Yeah. I mean, if 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 your approach is because you want control, Mm -hmm. then, of course, they're going to shut the door. Right. 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 But if your approach is genuine in a way that you're looking to enable the business and you know, you've got the technologists that can support their business and, and we're looking to partner and you're not looking to take credit or, I mean, that's the approach is, mm-hmm. is, and it's all like perception is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it is right. So if your perception up front is that you just are a hierarchical, you know, control, um, fanatic, then, <laughs> then, you know, good luck getting in the room. That's yeah. too right. classic. Yes. Yeah. You know, good luck getting in the room because successful. you think you have a title and you know, you own technology. Yeah. Yep. You're not going to get invited. Yeah. Yep. yep. I like the, the quote hammer. that's like strong opinions, weakly held. Yeah. Who said that? Well, I don't know who <laughs> said that. Like, like that's yeah. how I always think about whenever we go into things. I'm like, I do have a strong opinion about this, but if you prove me wrong. Right. Your yeah. opinion wins. Then Whoever you, has yeah. the best idea right. wins. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And how much yeah. is, is there risk taking? Cause you're talking a lot about like you have to weigh things and prioritize things and understand things, but how much risk do you take when you're, when you're implementing kind of new ideas and how much do you like taking risks? Um, I have mixed emotions about this because I feel like there is a quote unquote doubled standard when you're talking about IT and when you're talking about engineering mm-hmm. and, and, and the, the people that are closer to the product. And I think the um, the appetite for risk on the product and engineering and tech ops, DevOps side is is much higher okay. than the appetite for risk on IT driven mm-hmm. initiatives. So I don't want you to get me wrong. Sure, we're taking risks and we might take risks in things where there's low impact if it doesn't work. But when you're you know responsible for rolling out a whole new licensing model <laughs> and, and solution or whatever, exactly. um, you know, you really need to deliver to success. And and if we were to come out at the end and say, sorry, we missed it, but man, we, we learned about some really right. cool yeah. AI <laughs> stuff or whatever. I don't think it gets as much um, good for you, yeah, you know, right. for failing fast <laughs> right. or whatever. So I do really kind of feel like that's one of the things where, of course, we're taking some element of risk. And quite frankly, any technology project is fraught with risk in the sense right. of, hey, mm-hmm. it doesn't do exactly what we thought it was going to do, or something else happens along the way, or requirements change, or, or all those kind of things. They're fraught with, you know, hey, you know, things that could impact the ability to, to have a safe landing. But, you know, I mean, I think we're always taking risks every day because we're working with technology. But I think there's, you know, some of the things around fail fast and all those kind of things, I think we have to be a little more specific about where we can take those risks and where we can't. I wonder if it's because of the lack of metrics that come with like new product launches where people are like, it's coming out. Mm-hmm. I know at least when we were launching on the Maps team, like the AR walking that feature and we didn't have any metrics at all. We were just like, yeah, we're launching it. Be yeah. there soon. And it just kept getting delayed. And they're like, all right, come on, guys. But like yeah. for IT projects, it's like, here's the budget. Here's how much money mm-hmm. it's saving. Like, and, here's and there's all usually front. some other milestone tied yeah. right to it, right? Product launch. Or right? keeping yeah, your business going. Launch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or, or being, you know, no yep. business disruption. Right. Yeah. So again, I mean, it's a tough one, right? Because I do 
um, push the team, right? To, hey, let's think about different approaches to how we deliver on this. And, hey, let's play around with this technology or that technology. But um, but I mean, you know, I, I think it's changing. Mm-hmm. I really think that, you know, the business is forcing IT to change mm-hmm. their yep. mindset and to operate as as engineering yep. and taking those risks. Because the businesses, um, you know, these legacy businesses that are driving, that are forced to you know, disrupt themselves um, are, are are needing to change the way they run their business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're looking, in order to do that, they're looking to IT to, you know, rethink their end-to-end architecture that um, is is driving that level of transformation. And so that's risk-taking, you know, and 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 I and so I think it's it's driven by the business. And in order to be successful, they need an IT leader that is willing to take take those risks with the business. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so I, I feel like that's I feel like that position is changing. Yeah, yeah. I think there are areas, you know, IT, for example, on the finance, Reverex side. If I see a material weakness, or if I enable a material weakness, because I decided that there is the team <laughs> really wants to do this project yeah. and let's take a risk. There's definitely some some elements of large consequences, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Now, having said that, personally, definitely a risk taker. Yeah. Oh my right. God. If Motorcycle somebody... lady, all kinds <laughs> yeah. of risks. You were going to fly a plane, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. With her twins on. on <laughs> With little help on the side. And professionally as well. You mm-hmm. know, I feel like we were just talking about a project when we entered the room and it's a pretty high risk project to move something over, which can basically take all your customers down. Right. And the goal is not to shy away from it. The goal is to really understand it. The inherent part of risk Mitigate doesn't mean yeah. that you're not planning yeah. for the problems. Yeah. Right? Yep. And I think good planning and execution yep. is going to take away that risk factor. But initially, somebody's like, you can't do that. Let's just pay extra for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sort of really jive well with me. <laughs> I really like what you're saying, what both of you have said, yeah. because now you've changed my story. We take risks every day, <laughs> every minute on every project. We, right? Right? we, we plan for it. And we, we do challenge the Thank status you. quo. We yeah. challenge yeah. the status quo. I, like I mean, like, the reality is, like, we know that um, you know, what we invested in and what ran our business um, years ago is not what's going to drive the level of change. And, 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 and so, yeah, we have to challenge that. Yeah, and that's right. yeah. if we're uncomfortable challenging that, yeah. then mm-hmm. we should get in another job. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, you know, like. I think the only thing I always caution myself is that if you like to run fast and if you really want to, you know, I always tend to like try to tell myself to run at 75% of hundred, mm-hmm. right? Cause I think it's, you have to know your natural instinct and be able to complement it with a little bit of restraint. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, it's yeah. just, it's important. Yeah, yeah, I have a problem with restraint. But... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's okay. Yeah. yeah, That's great. So when it comes to new technologies, I know that I saw Salesforce just launched like blockchain in mm-hmm. their company. How do you all feel about new technologies like that? Are you looking into them? Is there anything on the horizon right now that you're like, this is exciting and more companies need to be looking into this? I love what's going on from a technology perspective. And I think that there are elements of things like AI and machine learning and all these cool technologies that, that will absolutely play a role at some time in, in, in my world. Um, I see places where they can play a role more immediately, but the way I feel realistically I can um, get benefit from those types of technologies is really through crowdsourcing and somebody else going to solve the problem mm-hmm. and then me tapping into it, right? There's a lot of technologies yeah. out there. The thought of me sort of building it ourselves just because of lack of resources, the back to, hey, I got to get all these things done. Do I have time for this? So I think they're all super exciting and I think they all have a play at some point. But I also, you know, when I think about the, not the sort of corporate 
part of the equation, but I think about the rest of, say, Four Scouts business or any other company's business. I mean, I think that's where the bigger opportunity is around these things to figure out how do you create new revenue streams right. and how do you use the vast amount of data as you have in a traditional security company or other companies that can really turn into something meaningful for your customers um, or for your company, right, to be able to um, decide what to go do next. So I think you have to look at it from a couple of different perspectives. I mean, we're certainly playing around with things, but again, it's all by virtue. I myself don't have big data and petabytes of information to then go have somebody yeah, create right. this cool machine learning tool around as it relates to our internal business. Yeah. Um, so that's where I want to leverage what Pranati is doing and what Alvina is doing in some sort of crowdsourced way, right? So that when you bring the collective whole together, now I'm getting benefit, right? Because we have the right. same problems that's and the right. same tickets and the same everything, <laughs> exactly. right? It's not that different. Exactly. So those are where we're exploring some things to see if that, that can can add value. Now, I will also say that, um, you know, we talk about innovation and new technologies when there's a lot of old problems that still have never really been solved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And those are the problems that plague us in a lot of the ways. Like um, well, I mean, I, I think, you know, the example I use is Zoom, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, web conferencing has been around in many iterations, yep. many different vendors. You're very familiar. We struggle with <laughs> right. it. It is Sorry, rough. Zoom. <laughs> well, but, but I will say that Zoom has cracked the code better than anyone else has. Great. And again, you guys are young, so you haven't used some of the things that <laughs> yeah, I used in prior lives. I do like where you see some of the companies that are doing well right now. It's not because they're using blockchain right. yeah. to go deliver some sort of business value. It's because they've actually actually gone and taken that nagging, you know, whatever the problem was, revenue recognition, whatever it was, and come up with a new way of trying to approach it and delivering it in different models. With the focus on customer experience. In, yeah. So so those are, you know, sort of where I still think there's tons of innovation mm -hmm. left to be done in, in some of those parts of IT. And it probably depends on the business too, mm -hmm. because if it's a business that's like based on contracts. I mean, I used to work yeah. at Fannie Mae and like everything was in paper and you couldn't even justify that you owned right. your own home and it would be a whole two week long process. So like right. maybe that kind of business, yeah. like mortgage insurers and things like that, their whole business could be something that should integrate that Absolutely. ASAP. Absolutely. With secure, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Versus another one where it's like, hey, we have mm -hmm. all these other legacy problems that are key yeah. driving our business forward. Let's focus on that yeah. first. Yeah. Alvina, do you have any thoughts on this? I, I just, I just think that, you know, I, 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 I agree with you. I, mean, I, I just think, I just think that, um, you know, I've got fundamental areas that I need to focus on to drive the level of efficiencies and, 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 and scale that are required for a thriving business. And, and the reality is, I mean, those are things that, that, you know, we need to actually have, um, little patience. Yeah. Like we can't have the same issues reoccur and, and think that people, you know, manually solve problems. Like I, I you know, that is not going to drive the level mm -hmm. of scale that is required. And so that's what I want. I want to, you know, my focus is, is, is to build the level of efficiencies to allow the individuals that we're investing in to focus on bigger and greater things um, and, and, and innovate mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, just, just feeling like they're, like they're drowning. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and, and, and so if we all focus on that, yep. you know, if you're in a thriving business, that's growing way too fast and, and you've got people solving the same problem over and over again, um, whatever it may be, like it may be a help desk issue. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of people are, 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 are working on bots, mm -hmm. you know, building it or purchasing. I mean, we're building, mm -hmm. you know, to, to be able to automate tickets. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to have an army of people <laughs> servicing 
the, uh, the uh, a growing employee base globally yep, right. yeah. that yep. sits everywhere. Yeah. I yeah. want to, you know, get that to a point where it's seamless and the experience and my employee base is experience, yeah. is, is, their experience is, is seamless and, 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 and that allows for, for further innovation. Yeah. So I just want to say, oh, sorry. I was saying, is there any contrarian opinions here? It sounds <laughs> like there was a debate and I kind of want to hear. Yeah. Well, I mean, my, my perspective is that there are older issues that have to okay. be solved mm-hmm. and there are new ways of solving them sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's, it's important way. to kind of really look and expose yourself to a lot of this technology that is out there, which is what I, I believe all of us constantly do as part yeah. of our day job. <laughs> yeah. And um, I really like technology. I'm not going to use it for the sake of using and being an early adopter. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there really needs to be a value. There needs to be yeah. a business solve case. A business problem. Yeah, 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 it yeah. has to solve yeah, yeah. and get to an outcome that we're looking yeah. for. Um, I'm looking at RPA. We're looking at ML tools. Uh, definitely. There is some experimentation going on inside IT of building our own ML engine mm-hmm. on using Microsoft's open engine there, which is great. And I think there's just all this open technology that if people are yeah. interested, this is part of our development for our teams as well. And somebody actually came in and, and did a demo recently, which I had no idea that they were even working on, <laughs> um, which I thought was fantastic, which was utilizing the Microsoft ML layer wow. to do a lot of better search capability inside our internet, which I thought was wonderful. And so I just think that that kind of innovation is great. We're definitely using, we're not trying to build our own ML layer for solving yep. business problems, but I'm using like a lead propensity tool out there, which is using ML, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah, forecasting you know, tools now. Forecasting yeah, tools. Yeah, yeah. And so there is a lot of yeah. that, which it just, it is yeah. exciting. Yeah. It's an exciting time. I and mean, we were just starting, we just started a, our first RPA um, automation and got our little provisioning process in sales that we're looking to right. automate. So this is just, it's fun. Yet these are actual problems. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. if yeah. we can kind of meld the two, yep. I think it's, it's a win-win. Yeah. So I will say I do have one observation and it kind of goes back to this, you know, um, every problem solved by a different SaaS solution yeah. um, as an example that I'm, I'm starting to feel the same thing happening in a lot of these, these, you know, so you're finding, you're talking to different um, startups out there that are doing really cool things um, that, you know, when I think about things like employee experience or customer experience, I'm like, okay, I don't want to just solve the customer experience as it relates to IT. I want to solve the customer or the uh, employee experience as it relates to to marketing and legal and to every other function. So I I also see this same thing where we get this, you know, platforms are good, platforms are bad, platforms are good. It's all about religion and tools. I also can't bring, you know, six different you know, bot solutions, yeah. right? You know what I mean? It's like, so that's the other thing that, you know, I'm trying to encourage them to kind of say, hey, build something that can go more broad. I get that you have to pick that sweet spot, right? And to go build customers and, and start to build a business. Have you seen that occur in areas which are, sorry, I'm asking no, questions. No, please. <laughs> go for it. I love it. <laughs> have you seen that occur in areas which are more than employee experience though? Because I've never really seen religious battles around tool sets, which are on like an LMS tool set or like a HRIS tool set, but I've seen it a lot in collaboration tools. GDocs versus SharePoint versus, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and same thing with Slacks and Team. Yeah. And it's just, this is truly the area where I see the, the most religion work. around tools. Well, that's because yeah. it affects their day-to-day. Day-to-day I mean, job, their day like their productivity, productivity, right. Well, it becomes a, to your point, right? It is not a conversation grounded in, does it do the things that you need it mm-hmm. to do? It becomes very much a, 
but this is yeah. the tool this I use. Really like. yeah. yeah. And those really. are the much more difficult. And it is personal to everyone, yeah. which is why it's yeah. such an opinion yeah. then, right? But I mean, the, the the struggle that we have is, you know, while we, we don't want, we want to enable the business mm-hmm. to try new things. And if you look at Slack, for instance, you know, they typically come through engineering organizations right. and then the rest of the organizations follow. Yeah. Right. But um, if you allow that to happen and just re- remain in engineering mm-hmm. and IT doesn't, you know, get involved and, and position it as a corporate standard, um, then, then it's you're really silo. not fully, it's a silo. Yeah. You're yeah. not fully leveraging the capability. And the biggest issue in, 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 in organizations is, is cross team collaboration. And so if you continue to have tools, whether it's docs or, 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 you know, collaboration tools um, that are, that are siloed based on the organization's preference, um, then you're creating a siloed organization that nobody wants to work for. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, why do people leave because of bureaucracy and, you know, and, 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 and the lack of the lack of um, the level of, of openness and um, you know, across the organization. And so and so that breaks companies, um, you know, and, and and so I feel like we have this responsibility mm-hmm. to put a stake in the in the sand and say, no, no, this is the this is this is what we're going to use, yeah, to communicate, right? Um, and yes. and 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 otherwise, you know, our communication protocol is broken, right? Yeah, yeah. Although easier said than done, definitely. But it is yeah. true. We have that responsibility. It's just so hard sometimes to bring everyone to that table. Well, and what's hard about it is. What I find hard about it is I think everyone can understand the logic. Hey, look, you know, hey, we're not really one team. We're not really collaborating. We're not really. And and even, you know, engineering, last I checked, they have to collaborate with a lot of other parts of the organization, (laughs) right? So, but what's hard about it is, you know, there's a lot of conversations you can have with the rest of the organization that are fact-based, data-based, you know, here's Uh what the analysis says. But I find with collaboration tools, it is the one place where... It breaks down. Rarely does, hey, a set of use cases or a set of anything kind of drive people to consensus. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so it is a very interesting one. Very and I mean, interesting I, I've had it. I mean, like this is, you know, I've, and I've been on both over sides of the equation company. as well. So. I'm curious, you guys, we talked a little bit about this before we got on the mic. You guys have a little group that you, you we have a, see group. A, you yeah. see a little female CIO, yeah. club. a club. Yeah. So do you guys, what do you guys talk about? Do you talk about these kind of problems or is it more like just kind of get out, be together and chill? Like what do you, what is this group like and, and how do you guys support each other and how do you talk to each other? Well, um, you know, Diana. She McKenzie. was one of the, and I will say, Elvina gets kudos for being one of the the founding, founding members you know, and, and champions <laughs> uh-huh. to make it well, happen. Well, Diana McKenzie, yeah, and um, Paula, the prior yeah. CIO of Workday, who was supposed to join us. Yeah, today. she was supposed to be here. We uh, miss we you, miss Diana. You, Diana. We miss you. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. be the same, but we'll do it again. Yeah, for sure. That's a good idea. <laughs> um, but but Diana McKenzie um, and Paula Tolliver, mm-hmm. the CIO at Intel. Um, I'll never forget the dinner that we had in, in talking about starting this um, Silicon Valley CIO women's group. And, you know, I, I just started a Google sheet. Google <laughs> Google is the collaboration tool. Um, I started a Google sheet with female CIOs that I knew. And then I asked um, Diana, who had just recently jo- uh, moved, moved from up here, yeah. Southern okay. California um, and, and, and was connected to me and said that I had a network. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm someone to connect with. Like, really? <laughs> I am like the made most it. <laughs> down kind of person, but okay, sure, let's meet. Um, so, so we 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 started adding names, and you'd be shocked 
at the number of female CIOs there are. based locally. Yeah. And and then, you know, and she said, let's 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 have dinner with Paula. She knew Paula. And 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 so we 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 met and just started this quarterly dinner. And it's incredible. Um, and last year, you guys went. I, I missed yeah. it, which I'll never yeah. miss it again. Flamingo Tahoe trip. It, it's our second annual. <laughs> second annual trip. Yeah, pink girl. flamingos. Yeah. So it Sheila was, Jordan, yeah. um, the CIO at Symantec, invites all of us to her home in Tahoe for a summer vacation, which is, I mean, it's just, I mean, talk about meaningful relationships yeah. with people that you yeah. just admire and yeah. um, and respect and can have like the most open, transparent conversation. And it's all off the record. It is. <laughs> so we can't Good. bring our mics uh, yeah. there, Hillary. We yeah. can't be podcasting. Yeah. No podcast. <laughs> well, and I will say, I mean, you know, so they did an amazing job pulling it together. And what's nice about it is every time you show up, right, because we're all super busy and we're not all able to make it all the time. But anytime you show up, there's guaranteed somebody new that you haven't met yeah. with before, but you get to catch up with other people. But I mean, I would say we talk a lot about like when we're together, we talk a lot more about professional challenges. We talk about what's going on in our lives personally and professionally, what what good things are going on, what are we struggling with. Um, when we're together like that, it's we try to, right. you know, sort of take it up a notch in terms of what what's, what's really going on. It's the support system. Though. Yeah. yeah. I got to yes. tell you, I mean, when you have to really reach out to someone, I think I reached out to Julie a few weeks back and I said, you know, I need some help on a decision and she's on the call. If she she's she was actually in Tel Aviv. She was in Tel Aviv. <laughs> and she's yeah. like, let me know when you want to talk, right? Yeah. It's it's there. Being able to sort of lean on each other's experiences and learning from that versus always making your own experiences happen or mistakes, which mm -hmm. I'm trying to avoid the word mistakes, yeah. but I just used it. Lessons learned. Lessons learned. Um, I think it's been really, really good. What I love about that dinner which I was exposed to actually the first time in Tahoe, was when you go around the table and you say, tell us one thing professional and one thing personal that's going on for you. And the good thing about that is it really takes you away from just focused on the professional. Right. And you're all people, you all have a life, and we all want to get to know a little bit about it. And I think that's just, it's wonderful. The relationships have been great. Mm -hmm. Well, and... Man, you, it's amazing what people are dealing with or going through yeah. or whatever, and yet still, you know, driving innovation and change at companies or whatever. I mean, it's kind of fascinating to sort of, it is an amazing group of mm -hmm. of women. Yeah. And, and every time I hear somebody's story or what's going on with them, I'm thinking, okay, I'm like a total underachiever. I've not written a book. <laughs> I have not done this. I have not done that. But right? you brought so a book You here. brought us. I brought you titles. I'm very excited to read it. Right. Yeah. Um, we usually end with a lightning round, but a couple Ooh. of you have done lightning rounds before, so we're going to play a little bit of a different game. Yay. It's this called, is the first time it's we're trying It's the first time it. ever, so oh, no. you guys are our beta. <laughs> Where are the guinea pigs? It's, I'm a it, slow learner. It's, so, it goes okay. back a little bit to Steph's earlier question. It's called betting on the future. So throughout all the episodes of IT Visionaries, various guests have brought us various themes of things that they're excited about for the future or scared about for the future. So I'm going to give you a couple of different trends or topics and you're going to bet is, is this thing going to happen in less than five years and more than five oh. years and more than 10 years and why you think that is and the case. And we should keep it within a timer. Yes. So first topic that has been brought up a million times in IT Visionaries, blockchain in the enterprise. How many years? How many years do you think until less that's, than five, more you, than less five, than five, more, more than, than five, more than ten? Never, and why? Alvina, go. Um, more than five, mm -hmm. and 
we're just not right right now. We're just not really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And 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 I I I'm just thinking, you know, we need at least a couple of years to really really understand the the impact it's having outside of the enterprise mm-hmm. before we can bring it into the enterprise. All right, cool. Julie? I would agree. Um, More than five, less than 10. I think it will be accelerated for some industries over others where there's much more applicability for the world that I live in. I think it'll be a while before there's the right use cases that drive the business value, but it's real. It it, it will solve real problems. Okay. I think less than five. I feel like it's already there Mm -hmm. in the enterprise. When you look at things like e-signatures, et cetera, there is a lot of application for blockchain that is currently in play. Awesome. All right. Topic two. Quality signature. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good point. But that's actually a good thing that you shouldn't see it. You should that's see right. the underlying right, tag. Exactly. You should yeah. see just the e-signature. Right. I don't so. think about it that way because when I look at it from a security perspective, that is a very different ball game than that's true right. blockchain. But but I hear you. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. Advanced AI as part of daily life. Oh. Less than five. Okay. It has to be. Yeah. Less than five. It's here now. It's here now. Um, it so, has to be. Actually, defer. more than ten. <laughs> I defer. I'm sorry. We are <laughs> I think it's definitely between five to ten. Okay. I don't think advanced AI is actually here. Um, I believe when you look at ML and you look at some of the deep learning and the supervised, unsupervised learning, etc. I don't actually think we're in um, a complete AI world. Okay, so it, it is the word advanced application. That you, mm-hmm. Okay. That's when it comes to applications of AI. I mean, we're starting to really venture into the ML application side. Sure. We're not really in the true AI application side. (laughs) Topic three, fully autonomous commercial and personal transportation. (laughs) You go first. Let's start on this side of the table. (laughs) Fully autonomous, I would say, is about closer to maybe 10, 5 to 10. Um, partially not because the technology isn't ready, it's the actual environment that's not ready. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the road signs, the infrastructure isn't there for fully autonomous that we really require. The technology is actually there. Okay. Starting to get there. 10 years. Well, Daily life, right? right. It, okay. It's there. It's there now, right? Yeah. But in terms of really of impacting daily day-to-day. life, I think it's still going to be a while because of policy, because of yeah. insurance, liability, mm-hmm. all these other important yeah, topics right. that really haven't been addressed. Ditto. All right. Immersive AR and VR for personal and commercial use. Wow. I'll go. You want to go first? I think it's um, within five years, again, for certain industries and Mm -hmm. and areas. And I work with a company today that is using virtual reality to train police officers on how to handle situations where there's a mental health issue or whatever. On the board. Um, So I will say that it's very real. Um, and so I think it re- very much depends on the use case and the scenarios, but um, I was able to experience through virtual reality things that they're really doing to train officers today. I agree. Okay. That was short. <laughs> Met the time we're doing here. All right. Last one. Tech inserted to the body, biochips, phones connected to your brains, things where you can just think something and it happens. Mommy! <laughs> Think something and it happens. Mm. Tech inserted into your body I'm is not happening. Ready for that. No, <laughs> Too I mean, scary there is for a you lot guys. of biotech happening. It, right there now. is. So, yeah. I mean, there is. Yeah, not... think about different use cases. Then yeah. it knows what I'm thinking, but it might know what I'm feeling exactly. and I don't realize it. Yeah, I think like pain alleviation. Sure. There is insertion of I mean, technology maybe. into your. 
It's in our dog, so we can find <laughs> them, right? Yes. I mean, that's if you think about it, that's yeah. true. Chipped, Not that's like right. our dog, per se, because Chad and I are cheap, and he didn't get chipped. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Toasty to ran away. We don't know where he just stays on the leash all day. He knows better. Julie's super sad <laughs> at us right I'll now. I'll pay for it so that you never lose. <laughs> it's he, knows, he knows what's best right. for you. Yeah. Ladies, that's it. Thank yeah. you so much for doing this. This is so much fun. So awesome. fun. Thank you. There's a lot more to talk about, and we'll have to do it next time. But thank awesome. you all so thank much. You. Love thank you. Love having you. Thank you. Mission Daily and all of our podcasts are created with love by our team at mission.org. We own and operate a network of podcasts and a brand and story studio designed to accelerate learning. Our clients include companies like Salesforce, they're a customer times five, Twilio, and Katera, who work with us because we produce results. To learn more and get our case studies, check out mission.org slash studios. If you're tired of media and news that promotes fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and if you want an antidote to all that chaos, you're at the right place. Subscribe here and to our daily newsletter at mission.org. Each morning, you'll get a newsletter that will help you start your morning and your day off right. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.